Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Daddy. This week on the show, comedian and host of Fake the Nation, Nagin Farsad, and New York Times reporter, Sopan Deb. All right, let's start the show. It was correct? Yeah. Yes! Yep. Okay, Betty wants to get it right. Uh, hey, y'all, from NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Each week, a different song. Y'all know this song. We'll talk more about it later. But first, uh, two great guests here with me at NPR in New York. Nagin Farsad from Fake the Nation, a podcast from Earwolf that is, quote, all the comedy about politics without any of the politics about politics. I like that. <laughs> and, and so, Bandeb, my good friend from The Trail, we yes. used to go Trump rally to Trump rally together. Uh, <laughs> I remember. Now he covers culture for The New York Times. Yeah, right. Probably like the most awesome job in the world. I sleep a lot more than I used to. Bless. <laughs> yes. So this song, y'all can name it. It's the Jack Jam. Close. Space Jam. Space Jam. Right, 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 right. But this song is called literally Space Jam. Is that correct? Brent, confirm. Oh, it's called Space wow. Jam. Okay, that's good note. It is this theme song from the movie, which I've actually never seen, but it's by the Whoa, Quad. I've up, never seen up. Space Jam. I'm sorry. What? Who am I with? <laughs> I don't mean to pull the culture culture writer card here. Come on, guys. Also, how are you going to be like, oh, Space, jo- jo- Space Jam is a part of the culture you must consume. Really, bro? <laughs> yeah, is right. that where we're at right now? Oh, man. But I haven't seen But I feel like I know it because I know all the songs from the soundtrack. But I picked this song by the Quad City DJs, who also made Come on, Ride the Train. Mm-hmm. Ride it. Remember? Yeah, so I which picked, is a great song. I picked the Space Jam theme because this week, some stuff went up into space. Oh, yeah. Elon Musk did the thing. Um... His SpaceX company sent what's being called the Falcon Heavy into space. It's the most powerful rocket in use today. And they put a 2008 Tesla Roadster on it. So there's like this video of a Tesla in space. Okay. Um, Which, who cares? Like, well, why did he do that? I'd rather see, like, cute little dogs in space or whatever. No, because then they might lose their oxygen. Oh, I mean, not, like, naked. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, in a spacesuit, like, okay. being playing fetch on the surface of the moon or whatever. Like, that I would That see. would be nice. You know yeah. what, though? If you have the money, if I had my own money and was able to send a rocket, the most powerful rocket ever into space, yeah, I'm putting my own stuff, like, stuff that's promoting my own yeah. life. So, you know, but my thing yeah, with, is there a mannequin that looks like me in that rocket? Yeah, you better, <laughs> you better believe it. My thing with space exploration, and I feel bad because I've always been a space downer. Like whenever I see us launch a rocket, I'm like, this is good. You know, it's scientific progress. Right. But we got some stuff to fix down here still. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, like, I'm Cape not Town's about board. out of water. Yeah. <laughs> like... Things are happening here. Because Elon wants to meet me and Elon are on first name basis. Um, <laughs> he, you know, he's always talking about Mars and stuff, right? Like colonizing Mars. Yeah. Which sound I mean, look, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Mars. It's <laughs> soups boring. You know what I mean? Like there is nothing With, to do. Right. Like, do you you know, like if you think Sheboygan needs more culture, <laughs> check out Mars. Just, it's the worst. <laughs> so um, Yelp review is not great for Mars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, no offense to Sheboygan. I think Sheboygan's great. Our Sheboygan audience, <laughs> we support you. And we see you. And the Martians, we apologize yes. as well. <laughs> no, no, I'm, through, I'm fully throwing the Martians under the bus. You guys are way boring. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. We are each going to describe how the week of news felt in only three words. Nagin, you're up first. Okay, so my three words are "Hey, big spender," as in "Hey, big spender," whatever that. Do that again. Said. That was nice. yeah, please, no, I'd like to. Hey, big spender. Um, and so the reason for that is there's just been so much money 
money, 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 money talk this week. A lot of money business, a lot of money. The stock market took a tremendous tumble uh, multiple days in a row. Yeah. Uh, we keep thinking it's going to stabilize and then it doesn't. Um, and then like alongside that, we have this talk of a military parade, which, by the way, the last military parade we had was in 1991, at courtesy the end of, of the George H.W. Bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because at the end of the Gulf War, it was a victory parade. Also, side note, it was also meant to sort of like bring the Vietnam vets out of the shadows and celebrate them as well, since oh, really? we did such a terrible job of that uh, back in the day. Huh. But the parade cost $12 million, uh, and our president wants to do a military parade. He because was in- he saw the French do it. He, yeah, yeah, he so was he with his buddy Macron, and um, and he thought, oh my God, this military parade, like for Bastille Day, he loved the military parade, and he wanted he wants to do that here to show that we have force. But you know what, though, that twelve million dollars or double it even, it pales in comparison to, in my mind, the biggest figure of the week, the three hundred billion dollars no. in added spending uh, that Congress uh, approved in this. New new spending deal early Friday morning after uh, Rand Paul had a little mini... It was like a shutdown for how many? An hour. It was an hour-long government shutdown last night (laughs) because Rand Paul was mad about how this would increase U.S. spending. The bill passed anyway. But, yeah, you're right. Money, money, money this week. And that's the thing with with, uh, spending. The Republican Party was always the party of let's not spend. That's what Rand Paul was saying last night. And now we're going to have trillion-dollar debt. This is, you know, conservative watchdog groups are suspecting that we're going to have trillion-dollar deficits permanently. Like, it's crazy that my credit score is better than the U.S. government's. (laughs) (laughs) Never would have thought. Mama, I made it. But, like, you know, at this point, with all these shutdowns happening, I'm going to just start conceptualizing the federal government as, like, a seasonal (laughs) (laughs) pop-up. Are they open today? Are they not? Uh, Gotta go see. Like, it's just, you know. Anyway, well... All right, so Penn, you are up next. What are your three words to describe the news this week? <clears throat> uh, over the top are my three words. And okay. the two, uh, one we already touched on, but one story in particular that drove me a little crazy this week, um, which I wrote about yesterday. Self, little, little self-promotion here. Um, there is a high school, uh, Ithaca High School, that um, was going to stage a production of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. In November, it was announced that the, uh, the lead of Esmeralda was cast as a uh, white actress. And a number of students of color, you know, and non non students. In the original, she's a Roma, right? Right, but in the obviously the Disney movie, you know, she's depicted with a very dark complexion. Yeah. And in the uh, the musical that debuted in 2014, 2015, uh, it was played by she was played by Sarah Renee, who is a woman of color. Mm-hmm. So these kids saw this as an opportunity for uh, a lead to be the woman of color. So they objected. After a lot of debate in the community. The uh, school board decided to pull the musical and put something else in its place. Really? Yes. But the, who who auditioned the best? Did the white student just have the best audition? Well, I mean, I'm sure the director was, would tell you that. Okay. Yes. Who knows, right? Yes. But then Breitbart picks up on the story. Uh, what? Whoa, 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 whoa! Why? why are they in? Okay. So the story starts going viral. Uh, Breitbart picks up on it. The right wing kind of conservative. The Daily Stormer, a neo-Nazi website. Too much. And so suddenly now these poor high school kids that kind of led the, yeah. you know. The, Are they being doxxed? Sure. The mom, one oh mom. one my goodness. One mom had her home address doxxed, uh, and it wasn't her address. Doxxed meaning personal information shared yeah, online. Yeah, right. 
Right. Uh, you know, these poor kids are being targeted for harassment oh, and man. threats. And, uh, you know, um, the school board received hundreds of emails and voicemails, you know, with a lot of profanity. Uh, there's a lot of racism. The, one of the girls that led, you know, kind of put this whole thing together, her name is uh, Prachi. She, uh, she's t- being told to go back to India, you oh. know. So that that to me was, shall we say, over the top. Yeah. Um, yeah. If this keeps happening, like, is there any fix? <sighs> I mean, I, I've just Shut never... Shut down s- the internet? I don't know. <laughs> Can I just say that one? Because um, as, as someone who's been the subject of, like, I've been on uh, attacked on Breitbart on, in the Washington Times, oh, yeah. all of these these sites, I've been on a conservative right-wing radio where fans will then ruin oh, my life man. for days on Twitter, and I've gotten death threats and all of that stuff. It is unpleasant, I guys. <laughs> so I, I, I really feel for these kids, and it is uh, it's beyond over the top. But it the internet is such a you know yeah it's such a wild yeah. wild west. Yeah. Uh, Can I also say real please. quick though that when I was in high school, I was cast in the Neil Simon play God's Favorite. I played the part of God, an Iranian American Muslim yes. played the role of God. And if Breitbart had caught wind of that, <laughs> if there was a Breitbart to catch. <laughs> wind back then. All hell would have broken yeah. loose. Oh my god. All heaven would have broken loose. Uh-huh. What, what would the Times have said about your performance? How'd you do? Uh, I, <laughs> I won the Best Actor Award that year, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You guys, I have three words. Oh, oh please. Yeah. They are go for gold. Mm. Because the Olympics! Yeah. I love the Olympics so much. Oh, God. Because You're it one of gives those. You every, I'm one Even of those. Even the winter, huh? Oh, I have had watch parties for the figure skating competitions. Oh, who shows, okay. Who comes to your watch parties for the okay. figure skating? Who comes? I, I want to know. Not you, hater. <laughs> but no, no. Figure skating is actually the most fun part. It's kind of like reality TV. Yeah. Figure yeah. Skating. It's, it's, it's mass really drama. Yeah. But like, I love the Olympics because, well, one, I got to cover the last one in Sochi, which was super Ooh. fun. But two, the Olympics function is as this awesome microcosm slash barometer for the state of global diplomacy. Like, all of the plot lines between the countries while they're mm-hmm. there gives you a really good glimpse into, like, geopolitics. Take Russia. The way that the Olympic Committee is treating Russian athletes this Olympics kind of, in my mind, mirrors the way that the global community treats Russia itself. Russia was banned from the Olympics uh, for this Olympics because they doped severely at the last Olympics. And so now Russia as a country cannot win medals. But the Olympic Committee is going to allow almost 170 of their athletes to participate in this Olympics as individuals. So they're going to go unpunished, which to me mirrors the way that in spite of all the hand-wringing over Russia's geopolitical shenanigans, the global community really doesn't punish them. The second thing is looking at what is happening between the Koreas. Coming together in the opening ceremonies, they're going to march under one flag with the South Koreans during the opening ceremony. They haven't said that they're going to talk about nukes at all right now, but what I have been thinking in my mind is that like Donald Trump's rough rhetoric towards North Korea for so long has convinced the Koreans that they're going to have to get whatever fix and their diplomatic problems on their own. Mm-hmm. And I was watching, I was listening to Yield NPR, and uh-huh. you guys had an interview with a uh, hockey player from the South Korean side. Yeah. And they were like, how's it going? Like playing with North Korean players. Because they formed the joint North Korean South Korean hockey team. Korea, yeah. And it's insane to me. I mean, I th- it's one of the more remarkable things I feel like I've ever. Can this be witnessed. like a Mighty Ducks movie? <laughs> <laughs> 
exactly. 100%, right? Seriously. Um, and she was just like, oh, it's it's actually, it's super great. We have 12 new friends. And oh. that's how she characterized it. And I just thought, wow, like, can she be Rex Tillerson? How does that work? <laughs> would it would, would that work out okay? Because um, I, not... I feel like that's a really like, yeah. progressive and, and, and kind of in simple and embracing way of looking at for, of international diplomacy. I hadn't thought of Flex Trillerson in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Hope he's taking care of himself. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, it's time for a break. Coming up, we're going to have a lot of stuff for you guys. A special surprise call for our long-distance segment. A big talk about the state of not just the stock market, but the economy itself. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. We will be right back. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can buy and print U.S. postage for any letter or package right from your computer, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whenever it's convenient for you. Access all the amazing services of the post office right from your home or office and skip the trip. For a four-week free trial, plus postage in a digital scale, go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in MINUTE. Some people like to look at the world through rose-colored glasses. I prefer the lens of the social sciences. There's more than one of you in there. It's almost literally unimaginable. I'm Shankar Vedantam, host of Hidden Brain. Each week, we ask the questions, what does it mean to be human, and why do we do what we do? Listen along as we find the answers. We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders, here with two guests who are going to enter themselves really quickly. Tell folks who you are. Ladies first, please. Oh, all right. Uh, I am Nagin Farsad. I'm a comedian. I'm a host of the podcast Fake the Nation, uh, which has some crossover audience with It's Been a Minute. I was on uh, the show yesterday. And so, yeah, if you, uh, you, exactly. Who so you are if you are a Sam Sanders fan, you should listen to Fake the Nation this week because he gets even more Sam Sandersy on went, Fake the Nation. I went full. Who else was on? <laughs> we were on with Stephanie Butnick of the Unorthodox podcast. Oh, so it's like three, so three podcasts. Exactly. It's like a super podcast. Like the Destiny <laughs> Child of podcasting. <laughs> exactly. You're the Beyonce. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm <laughs> Sotan Deb. Uh, I'm a comedian and a writer for the New York Times for the for the Culture Desk. I love it. So, quick question before we get into our next segment. Um, there was a weird story this week. Mm. A woman in New Hampshire is believed to be the winner of a $560 million Powerball uh, lottery. But she's afraid to accept the money uh -oh. because she wrote her name on the ticket before she knew that when you do that, it makes your name public. So she's saying she only wants to accept the $560 million if she can remain Anonymous. She went to court over this. So my question to you is, would you make your name public to win a $560 million lottery? Yes or no? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no problem with that. So if it's for that much this. money. Uh, I'm thinking about it. Here's why I'm thinking about it. Um, the reason is, uh, I, uh, a couple of years ago, there was a, a, a special at NBC did with past lottery winners. And did all their lives just fall apart? Yeah. <laughs> because uh, they didn't know what how to handle the money. Everyone you know, know is asking for money. Everyone you know is asking for, asking for money, and yep. if you say no, you know, get the gradual payout. Never get the big at once payout. Right. Yeah. I, I like. I know this sounds crazy. I and I. I know. I'm probably you know. 
I don't know if I want to win the lottery. I'll, I just feel like if your name was out there. No, all of y'all doing it wrong. Here's my plan. Yeah. If I get the lottery, uh-huh. I would disappear and you'd uh-huh. never see me again. Right. Nice. That's what I would do. Anyways, I could right. go on. Well, I, would, I would take all the money. It doesn't shock me that you work for public radio. But <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for a segment that we call Long Distance where I call up someone across the country or wherever, and we talk about some news in their neck of the woods. But today, there's no one actually on the line because we pre-taped the call because our guest for this segment is very busy and in a weird time zone. I'm going to just play the tape and you'll hear it. Hello, Devin? Hey, Sam. Hey, I haven't talked to you in four years. How are you? I know, it's been crazy. I'm doing good. So our, our listeners, um, tell them where you are. Um, I am in the Olympic Village as we speak in Pyeongchang, South Korea. Because you are competing for the U.S. in the Winter Olympics on the ski team. Congrats. That's so awesome. What events are you doing? Uh, Thank you. Um, I am doing half pipe and slope style. Tell folks what slope style is if they haven't heard of it before. So slope style is basically like a course made up of different options of handrails, jumps and then um, the judges judge you on your amplitude, the technicality of your tricks, um, your overall impression. So it's really cool because you can make your run as unique to you and make it different from everyone else. So you can stand out in the judges' eyes and really, you know, make it known. Yeah, I love it. What's going to be your craziest move out there this go-round? Um, I don't even know yet. Um, we haven't Wait, really? been on the course. Okay. Oh, because each mean, course is different? I mean, I have it in my head, but we haven't even been on the course yet. I've seen a bunch of pictures and heard good things from the snowboarders that the course is amazing. So um, I'm excited to get out there. Yeah. And so, funny enough, I saw you do it last time in Sochi because we met in Sochi at the last Winter Olympics. And I got to do a story about you, and it was your first time there. Um, that was four years ago. You were 20. You won a silver medal in freestyle skiing, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, in, in my slope style event. So I'm excited to represent Team USA again. Yeah. Congrats. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, four years feels like <laughs> a blink of an eye now. Really? How has your life changed in the last four years, the, these last four years as an Olympic medal winner? Um, I mean, it's definitely changed, but I feel like a lot of people think, you know, you get super famous off of things, but like, that really hasn't happened to me. Like, I've changed, you know, growing up in the last four years, being 20, going 21, to now 24, going 25, just really sticking to my overall plan of how I wanted to get here, which I did. So I just got to stick to the plan and hopefully walk home with some medals. Yeah, yeah. How does this Olympic Village and Olympics compare to the last one, if you can make a comparison yet? I know you just got there. Um, it's definitely different. I feel all Olympics are different. You can't go in expecting it's going to be the same. I mean, the location is, you know, way different. The The rooming situations are different. I feel like it's already a little bit better than Sochi. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, because in Sochi, a lot of stuff wasn't yeah. done when it started. <laughs> yeah, no, this one's this one's cool. Um, Actually, our rooming situation, I, I've arrived here with the Slope Style team with the girls already and we're actually grooming with the half pipe girls so okay. it's going to be a fun interaction I don't know I'm pretty adventurous with my food I love the Korean cuisine here 
Okay. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying myself so far, so I'm really excited to, you know, get the full Olympic experience this time because after I won my medal in Sochi, I got shipped off to New York and kind of capitalized on all the media and didn't get to really see too many more events and mm. didn't walk in closing, so I plan on staying the whole time here. You know, it's it's a whirlwind, but it's so exciting. It's like Christmas morning over and over and over again. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Well, you know, since the last Olympics, I have been following your Instagram, and you post these really awesome pictures of you in action and showing off your travels. So if folks want to follow you on Insta and see what it's like inside the Olympics, how should they follow you there? Yeah, on Instagram, you can just follow me, Devin Logan, and that's Devin with an I in. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I was actually going to post some flame pictures of the opening ceremonies because that is happening um, tonight yeah. over over here. And, you know, I try to bring a little comedy within it because some people I feel get a little too serious. So I just oh, yeah. like to... I think I'm funny, so hopefully other people <laughs> find me funny too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, I wish you all the best. It has been... A real privilege to connect with you years ago and follow your career since then. And I am rooting for you and Team America. Oh, thank you so much. It was so great catching up with you, too. I remember all, right. all the talks of rappers and stuff. So oh, yeah, we had a good time. Out up there too. Yeah. You also, that last time, got me on a ski lift for the first time ever, and it mortified me. Yeah, that? yeah. How's that been? <laughs> Have you been uh, keeping up with that? No, not since. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll have to reconnect again and maybe on a ski hill again. I love it. I'm down. Thanks, Devin. All right. Thanks, Sam. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. Uh, that was Devin Logan, freestyle skier for Team USA. I talked to her on Thursday evening, East Coast time, about 6.30 her time. For those that want to see Devin in action, which you should, I've watched her compete. She's amazing. Uh, she's going to be skiing on the 17th and the 20th of this month. And, side note, the 17th is actually her 25th birthday. Happy early birthday, Devin. Back here with you guys, Nagina Sopan. What event in the Winter Olympics would you all compete in if you could? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Probably the best figure skater. I feel like that's the most high-profile Winter Olympics. Sport, if I right? could like get my Chrissy Yamaguchi on, yeah, I would definitely do so. What about you? I can I just be honest with you guys? Yeah. In middle school, I did. I skate competitively. No! Okay, so first you were God first, in a play. Like, then you I, were this. I did. I did for like not very long. I mean, I was doing it maybe for like two years or something. Well, how many twirls could you do? Oh my! Triple like axel, I no, axel, I was I not doing like a triple axel <laughs> jump. No, you seem very talented. Isn't it like Tanya Harding was like the only one that ever yeah. really did that or yeah. whatever? I saw I I Tanya too. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I I was just doing some twirls. I mean, I was like you know, I was like eleven. I was well, doing some stuff. Well, Tanya Harding was doing it when she was six. I saw the movie. Yeah. (laughs) I want you to... No, I was definitely no Tanya Harding. Okay. It's all good. I'm not Tanya Harding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Listeners, I want to talk to you for this segment. If you want me to give you a call some week and talk about what's happening where you are, email me. Tell me what's up. samsanders at npr.org. samsanders at npr.org. This is It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders, here with two amazing guests. Sopan Deb, comedian and reporter for the New York Times. Where do you do your comedy when you do it? Uh, I just did a show with uh, a friend uh, Nagins, uh, with uh, I did the Big Brown Show at oh, the Comic nice. Strip, uh, which is That's a lot called of the Big Brown Show. It's called a bunch of brown comedians. It is the most fun show I've ever done because the crowd is just 
you know, sometimes a crowd shows up to a club and they're not interested in laughing. Yeah. yeah. No, but this crowd is like, we never get to see brown comedians <laughs> right. all you in a row. We're all, now that I think can... about it, we're all brown today. Oh, oh right. Yay. I think this might be our first time right. on Friday was all people of color. And as they say, but, once you go brown, that's great because representation matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, at, it really at, works well on bumper stickers. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Um, we're moving some things around today, mm. and we're going to have the dessert before the main course. Okay. Uh, the main story will be coming later. We're going to talk about the economy and the stock market, etc. But first, let's play my favorite game. Ooh, Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? I love the game because it's so simple. I share a quote from the week. You guys have to guess who said that, or at least get the story it's referring to. If you get close, I'm fine. This ain't Jeopardy. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Like, what was okay. the Jeopardy one where he was like the the delivery was off? It was uh, gangster, gangsters. Yeah, <laughs> we're not gonna do you like that. <laughs> um, but here's the catch: the winner gets absolutely nothing. Oh, great! Yeah, get excited. Oh, wow. So, ready for the first? This, quote? this is a brown show. <laughs> 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 all right, first quote. They were the worst musicians in the world. <laughs> Paul was the worst bass player I ever heard. And Ringo, don't even talk about it. Who said That'd that? That'd be Quincy Jones talking about the Beatles. Oh, yes. Yeah. Did y'all read this? I did. did. It was Quincy Jones had this tell-all interview in New York Magazine yeah. this week, and he went off. I mean, the Beatles, I mean, just everything from everything. Michael Jackson to JFK to, I mean, my gosh. Well, what, what precipitated it? Like, why did he do it now? When you're Quincy Jones, what participate? Did you just, you're Quincy Jones then? Did you see his uh, Marlon Brando quote in the. I don't know if we can say it on this show. <laughs> right, I'm sorry, you're right. <laughs> but listeners, go read, go that, read go it read. if you are of age. <laughs> If you are of age. He's already apologized for it. He did? He missed that. There's an apology out. Oh, wow. Quincy was like, clean it up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sopan won Quincy Infinity. Yeah, right. Zero. Zero. Uh, Next quote. I wish to think about marriage more deeply and concretely and give sufficient time to prepare our marriage and for after the marriage. My God, is this like a contestant from The Bachelor? No, they don't speak in that complete of sentences. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. It's about a certain royal wedding that's upcoming. Name the country or even the continent and I'll give it to somebody. Oh, the United uh, Kingdom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that a trick question? So you're saying that you, No. It's, it's not, not Meghan Markle and who is it, McCall? No, Harry? No, no. It's not? Denmark. No. Japan. Oh. One of the a member of the royal family there, Princess Mako. She announced this week that she is postponing her wedding that was scheduled for November till 2020. Wow. She said that she's immature and not ready for it, and they want to just wait. That's, uh, that's good. How that's old great is she? She's there, both her and the groom are 26. Uh, but here's the catch. He's a commoner that she met at college. Ooh. And so when she marries him, she has to renounce the royal lineage and like Ooh. leave the royal family. Oh, she's trying oh. to stretch it out. Is, <laughs> yeah, yeah a, she's trying to stay royal for as long as she can. The new movie from Pixar in 2024. <laughs> Why don't right? they just like live together, get a cute apartment, you and then, you royal? know... Uh, what's, a, what's it called if you live in an apartment together? Shacking for... up. No, no, no. That's what well, my mom yeah. called it. No, no, no. But it, it's it's a legal thing. If you live in an apartment or a domicile in New York with the same person for like five You're or ten so years. Common law so marriage. Common law yeah. marriage. Yeah, yeah just do it. There you go. Yeah, they should just yeah. common law marry. And then... <laughs> <laughs> what are y'all common law married to? to? <laughs> I'm common law married to... This really ratty comforter I refuse to throw out. I'm like a- actual married to a person. So <laughs> okay. I... Oh, rub it in, why don't you? Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I just 
just like have a lot of love in my life. So wow. like I don't know what it's like to be you guys. Is it tough? So though? she's here for the right reason. Yeah. Right. Okay, fine. Um, who won that one? Yeah, none of y'all got that one. You're still up one zip. Yeah, right. But I'd like a point. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, right. Uh, Brent, can we give her a point? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Brent. All right, so it's tied. This one's for all the marbles. He went in, but obviously he couldn't come back out the same way. Who said that? Oh, man. What is up with these? But it, it involves... Like a celebrity trying no, to go somewhere? A non-celebrity. Like in a courthouse? A non-celebrity from a state that's known for weird news. Florida. Think, yes, yeah. okay, I'll give you the point. That quote came from Battalion Chief Gregory Sutton in Titusville, Florida. He was describing the scene when a young Florida boy crawled inside one of those vending machines with the claw that gets the bear oh, and got hilarious. stuck. Yeah. Uh, the boy's name is Mason. He is fine. But as David Burge said on Twitter beautifully, and thus we are reminded that every Florida man started as a Florida boy. It's so true. <laughs> I mean, the fact that the story does not include the term bath salts, it feels like it's progress for Florida. You know oh, what I mean? And also, Floridians listening, no shade. We love y'all. I love Miami. Yeah, I, I love it down there. Totally so love the weather. I, I've never heard a bad Pitbull song. I'll take that to the grave. No. Anyway. Talk about, talk about a hill to die on. <laughs> it's my hill to die Find on. Find me Wait, a bad Pitbull like, song. Is it Post Malone also from Florida? He must be. He must be. He feels Florida to the bone. But he also has like every hit on the radio. Oh, yeah. For like months. So oh, yeah. they, you guys are doing something right. Uh, anyways, that concludes the game. Uh, so, Penn, I think you won. You get nothing. No, thank you. How does that yeah. feel? Uh, like a normal day. You're <laughs> like welcome. A, like, like life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, uh, it's time for one more break. When we come back, we'll talk about our main story. Uh, we have some special guests for that Stacey Vanek Smith and Cardiff Garcia from one of NPR's newest podcasts. It's called The Indicator from the Planet Money team. And later, we'll hear our listeners tell us the best things that happened to them. All week. BRB. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and waiting for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter can help. Their technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash minute. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Do you love trivia, puzzles, nerdy games, and humor? What about interviews with actors, musicians, and people from all walks of life? Yeah? Then join me, Ophira Eisenberg, host of NPR's Ask Me Another, every week on the NPR One app and wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back. In a moment, we'll have our main story of the week with the co-hosts of The Indicator, Planet Money's new show that offers quick takes on the news and the economy. Uh, those hosts will tell me about the stock market, which a lot of people were obsessed with this week, like me, and how the stock market is and is not the economy. But before that, I want to know what is the weirdest thing you guys watch to make sense of the economy and see if it's doing good or bad? Like, do you go to the bodega and see if the coffee's brewed stronger and that's like, oh, the economy's up? Like, what do you watch? What's your economic barometer? Uh, if I turn on CNN mm -hmm. in the middle of the day mm -hmm. and I see stock market in the Chiron, yeah. uh -huh. okay, I know things are probably not going well. 
Okay. Because I you, typically, when do you see the stock market in when the it's news? Going down. When it's not CNBC. It's not. Yeah. It, you know, at two o'clock during the Trump administration. Okay. If the stock if they're not on talking there, about Trump or <laughs> yeah, and they're talking about the stock market, and up. Trump is not in the Chiron, something's going on. Okay, that's you know, a good one. What's yours? In New York, like uh, again, as someone who doesn't have very much. Uh, to do with the stock market, uh, what we don't have very much reason to be in the same room. You know what I mean? <laughs> Me and stocks. Um, but Why not? I, in, <laughs> guys, I'm a dirtbag comedian. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, one of the, you know, in New York, they talk about a slice of pizza and the cost of a, a metro ticket are yeah. usually the same price. Um, huh. So when a slice of pizza, when the cost of a slice of pizza goes up in New York City, you know something is mm. wrong. Okay. Uh, then that probably resonates with the entire country where everybody yeah. eats slices of pizza, right, all yeah. the time? When okay. you see two pizza rats fighting over one slice of pizza, oh, you know times wrong. are tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know times are yeah. tough. Anyways, let's get some real numbers from Cardiff and Stacy. I talked to them on Thursday of this week. All right, for our main story this week, I have two amazing guests. Tell folks who you are. I'm Stacey Vanek-Smith. I am co-host of Planet Money's Indicator Podcast. And I'm Stacey Vanek-Smith's co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my name doesn't even Pretty matter, much really. all you need right. to know. <laughs> in case somebody wants to get super geeky about us uh, and is curious, my name's Cardiff Garcia. Yes. Um, and I want you guys here because I, like many other Americans, have been watching the stock market go up and down in every which way, and I'm trying to make sense of all of it. And everyone always keeps saying... Keep in mind, the stock market is not the economy. Look, the stock market isn't the worst thing in the world to follow, okay. right? So uh, in the long run... It's not not the economy. Exactly. <laughs> okay. in, in the long run, it is true that the stock market will reflect how well companies are doing. And that is in part, in large part, based on how the economy is doing. But these short-term fluctuations, these swings that just happen from week to week, really don't tell us a lot about what's going on for that you got to look at some other stuff. you got to look at the stuff that we like to cover on the indicator. <laughs> and to do that, we're going to look at three numbers that help us look at a better proxy, I guess, for the economy. Jobs. Jobs. Yes. Oh, that's, that warms my heart. <laughs> well, it's the sound that you guys do whenever you talk jobs we do. on your show. We do. We, we break out the air horn for, jo- for Jobs Day. <laughs> Nerd much? We, well, yeah. I love it. Yes, Proudly. <laughs> Proudly. So you guys have three specific job numbers that can help us figure out the state of things when it comes to the actual economy. What's the first one? So the unemployment number we always hear is just the unemployment rate, 4.1% this month. This is the number we always hear. So, But within that, there are numbers that are maybe better at illustrating exactly what's going on in the job market. So the first number we wanted to share, the first indicator um, mm-hmm. that gives us an idea of what's going on in the economy, is the share of the prime age population who has a job. So this is the percentage of people between the ages of 25 and 54 who are working. And the the reason this is so significant is that it takes out a lot of people who may not be working for reasons other than they're looking for work and can't find it. So people under 25, a lot of them are students. A lot of them are finding themselves, living with their parents, whatever's going on. And then a lot of folks over 25 these days, too. (laughs) That is true. That is not restricted to people under 25. It's never too late to find yourself. Um, And then 55 and over, a lot of people are retiring or transitioning out of the workforce. So 25 and 54, that is the prime workforce. What's that number? 79%. 
So 79% of the people who are of prime working age in this country have a job, which means that more than 20% of them don't. Yeah. One in five. Right. So before the recession, that number was over 80%. Uh Um, And now it is at 79. So, okay. So maybe almost close back to pre-recession levels? It's good. It's been steadily climbing up, but that 1% actually represents more than a million people. Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a lot of people still that are, for some reason or other, were working before the financial crash and just aren't now. So that's a lot of bodies. Okay. Um, But it does, but it has been steadily climbing since the financial crash. So it is a very good sign. And and that has a lot of implications of like people getting back into the workforce and a much stronger jobs market than than we had. So trending good. That's the first one. Trending good. Yes. What's the second one? Yeah, trending good, uh, but with some room for improvement. And my indicator kind of supplements this story as well. I love this figure in part because so few people pay attention to it, right? (laughs) Uh, This is the share of the labor force that's part-time for economic reasons. So these are people who are part-time, they've got part-time hours, but who would rather be full-time, right? Now, what happens in every recession, and especially in the last one, is that this number shoots up. Because what happens is that companies uh, have a couple of ways of... uh, lowering their labor costs, right? One way is you can let people go, but another way is that you can reduce people's hours. And I think not enough people pay attention to this. Um, And in the last recession, this number really spiked. Hmm. Uh, You know, it went all the way up to 6% of the labor force. That share was more than twice as high as it was before the recession, right? Where is it now? Uh, It's now at 3.1%. And that also shows a lot of progress, right? Down from almost 6% down to 3.1%. But room for improvement here because if the labor market were as healthy as it was before the recession, and there's no reason to think that it can't get back there, there would be about another eight or 900,000 people who are part-time now who would end up with full-time jobs. And again, I think that's a pretty significant number. These are people who want to be full-time, right? Uh, And if the labor market keeps improving, maybe they'll get there. So what I hear you guys saying right now is that the economy is... Uh, edging in on a most improved award, but is not yet an A plus student. Yeah. Okay. It's not yet the MVP. Okay. It's a All right. Most improved. We're still player, feeling right? the. Yeah. We're still feeling the effects. I think of gotcha. the of the financial crash. Yeah. Yes. What's the third number? Save the best for last. Uh, <laughs> I love how excited yeah. you guys are about this. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to like bring it down, but I know, I'm excited too. Yes. I'm glad you're excited, Sam. Thank you. Uh, wage growth. Okay. Uh, you know, how much people are getting paid. Um, and so- well, We've been hearing for a while that they've been stagnant. Wages. Yeah. Yes. This has been a big mystery in the economy because even as the actual unemployment rate has gotten smaller and smaller and things have improved and improved, our wages really haven't gone up that much. And it's been mm. this really strange thing. It's like, well, if there are fewer and fewer people looking for jobs, shouldn't wages go up? Shouldn't employers be competing for workers by offering higher salaries? And for some reason, that hasn't really been happening. So this mm. has been this big economic mystery happening in our economy for years. Yeah. Yeah. While we're trying to solve the mystery, we're also following the trend, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the latest numbers are actually kind of encouraging in this regard. Again, a little improved. Depending on which uh, indicator you look at, uh, it could either be 2.8% up in the past year or Hmm. 2.9%. And that is higher than it was for most of last year. Okay. So it looks like we're getting a little bit of acceleration here. But and here's the turn, uh-huh. right? What you really want is a number up closer to like three and a half or four percent, oh. which is what we had again before the recession. And we're just not there yet. And the key thing to point out here, though, is that this like really slow acceleration is coming eight or nine years from the end of the recession. That is just an appallingly slow 
recovery. But it is an exciting recovery, I think, because, I mean, we really have had 10 years of uphill climb and we're really close to back to where we were before the financial crash. So right now is a really exciting moment in the economy, jobs-wise. It's also it's, exciting yes. if you watch the stock market <laughs> in a different yeah, way. Yeah, yes. Also <laughs> exciting. So exciting for so, so many, many reasons, reasons right now, but exciting good in yes. the case of this. Yes. Yes. So sure. those three numbers together paint a certain picture of the economy. What does it mean for the average worker? Uh, When you have a red-hot labor market, uh, okay, it makes it so that it is way harder for companies to discriminate by race and gender, Hmm. right? Because what happens is that there are fewer workers to choose from, and you have to treat those prospective workers much better. You also have to treat your current workers better because you're afraid of losing them, (laughs) right? And they have options now, and that is hugely important for society. And wages, like you start to see wages go up because you just have more leverage. You have choices. You can leave if a workplace is bad or if your salary is too low. The power gets shifted, and that's kind of the moment we're at right now, which is why it's so exciting. Last quick question. you gave me a bunch of new indicators to watch. I'm still going to have my eye on the you market. You are also going to be released, like playing the air horn on Jobs Day now. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it for sure, for sure. <laughs> but for those of us that still keep an eye on the stock market itself, one quick tip for us to watch it better. Well, I think one interesting thing to keep in mind is that stocks are not owned by a lot of people. Yeah. I guess about half of Americans own stock, only about half. But that's through the retirement accounts, like direct investment. Mo- in it is yes. Lower. I mean, it's. I think it's the 5% of wealthiest households own three quarters of the stocks. Lower, I mean, it's yeah. a really elite group of people that yeah. owns most of the stock market. Yeah. So the top 5% of America had a really, really bad day. Oh, poor them. <laughs> poor them. I mean, it can reverberate into yeah. the rest of the economy, but it's not as immediately yeah. Terrible as yeah. you might think. Yeah. The, the other important thing to remember is that uh, if you're somebody who contributes to a 401k plan or if you've just started contributing to uh, a college plan for your kid, right, uh, it's actually a good thing that from time to time the market goes down. It means that you're buying more for cheaper, right? Huh. So huh. sometimes the stock market goes up, sometimes it goes down, uh, but try to keep these things in perspective. It's like things go on sale. It's like good rules <laughs> for life. Things are up, things are down. Keep it in perspective. Yeah. If you want to keep your economics in perspective, you can listen to The Indicator. Oh, my gosh. Very that nice. was a segue. Woo! That was poetry. Very that was nice. Poetry. I tried. I tried. <laughs> Stacey and Cardiff host The Indicator, the new podcast from NPR's Planet Money team. It offers quick takes on the news of the day. Listeners, check it out. Back here with you guys, Nagina Sopan. How often every day do you check the stock market? Do you have the app? Are you refreshing Yahoo Finance? I've Are you li- into that? I've, I've literally like, never once. I never it. have. I've, I've never had any money in the stock market. Yeah. You do. You have a retirement account. Oh right. Uh, <laughs> you never check your four hundred one k. But like, I don't. I, I will know, start. But I don't. The day I start checking my retirement account is the day that I'm like thinking about retirement. Well, then know? I'm thinking about retirement every day. I have I have the retirement account app on my phone. Shut up. I just look at it every now and then and be like, oh, I got some money in the bank. <laughs> Do you really? I have. I'll show. Well, I'm not going to show you my. I'll show you my balance. I don't care. <laughs> all right, guys, before we get to our listeners sharing the best parts of their week, I want to tell you all about one of the best parts of my last week. 
Uh, I had a really interesting conversation with a congressman from Texas named Beto O'Rourke. He is a Democrat from Texas's 16th district, which covers the El Paso metro area. And he's running for the U.S. Senate against Ted Cruz in an uphill battle because Texas is a red state. But he thinks he has a shot. But fun fact, before all of this politicking across one of the biggest and most important states in the country, my home state of Texas, uh, he was in a punk rock band. This is, you were on like a Christian talk show in the 90s called Let's Get Real. That's quite a sound. Yeah. That was <laughs> yeah, so you know, we're, we're 19 years old, 18 years old at the time, and we would watch this cable access evangelical talk show uh, huh. and on a lark we called in and said hey we've got an evangelical rock band which we of course were not uh, and <laughs> we'd love to get on the show and and they booked us we got on and wrote a song that day oh my uh, yeah it was a little bit of a mess Beto O'Rourke contains multitudes check it out the interview is in our podcast feed right now all right, now it's time to end the show as we always do. We ask our listeners every week to share with us the best things that happened to them all week. They send us the actual sounds of their voices. We make a nice montage and play it for you guys here. Here it is. Hi, Sam. This is Minnie from L.A. The best part of my week was when I saw Beyonce at a Soul Cycle. What? And I talked to her in the bathroom of that Soul Stop Cycle. Stop it! I almost died. Can we rewind to Hi, Sam. This is Mallory Actually, stop it because we lost that one. Stop that happened to me I'm sorry. This week. I'm sorry. <laughs> she saw, what, where is she from? She, she was in LA. So which they soul ran cycle? into each other at a soul cycle. Which soul cycle, Jim? I, like, I have so many questions. Like, does Beyonce rent the little shoes you have to use at soul cycle? <laughs> or does she just own a pair? Like, does I don't she own know. the soul, soul is cycle? Is she the guy that sits in the back of yeah. the room and doesn't want people to like know that she's like sometimes Does she cheating? yell out sometimes in excitement? Yeah. Or is she just Are quiet? Are they playing Beyonce? You know? Oh my god! Yeah. That'd be so meta. Or does she make a special request to not at all play Beyonce, which would also be reasonable? Oh my god! Uh, let's compose ourselves and bring the tape back. <laughs> Hi, Sam. This is Mallory in Connecticut, and the best thing that happened to me this week is I started my new job as a stay-at-home mom. Congrats! Sitting here on the floor right now with my one-year-old son, just feeling really happy and grateful. Yeah. Hi, Sam. This is Emily from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Hey there. And other than the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, right. the best thing that happened to me this week was reconnecting with one of my best friends from middle school. Aww. I took my dad to a trivia night, and <laughs> our team won. <laughs> I just got my first legitimate post-college job. Congrats. Oh, that's wow. a great feeling. I got to watch my 16-year-old daughter qualify for the Minnesota State High School Nordic Races. Wow. The best thing that happened to me this week was celebrating my son's first birthday on Saturday. Oh, the best thing that happened to me this week was seeing Angela Davis speak to a sold-out house um, as part of CSU's Black History Month keynote. That's cool. This week, my boyfriend and I will be headed to the Dominican Republic for seven nights, during which we will celebrate our one-year anniversary, hey, which nice. happens to fall on Valentine's Day. That's romantic. Hi, Sam. This is Liz from Sacramento, California. Hi. And the best thing that happened to me all week is that after living in the U.S. for 21 out of my 28 years is that I had my swearing ceremony and I'm now officially a U.S. citizen. Wow. That's amazing. <sighs> hey Sam, the best thing that happened to me all week is that my best friend remembered that my dad's 55th birthday is on February 22nd and he passed away a few years ago mm. and 
all of the anniversaries are really hard. Yeah. And it meant a lot to me that she remembered his birthday was coming up and suggested mm. we go see Puffs, the off-Broadway show about Hufflepuffs. <laughs> yeah, it's a great show. I've seen it. Knowing that it would help take my mind off the day while also making me happy. Oh, that's great. So I just wanted to say a big thank you to my best friend, Rebecca. Oh, thanks, thanks Rebecca. Love the show. Take care. Bye, Sam. Bye. Thanks to everyone that you heard there. Minnie, Mallory, Allegra, Lily, Susan, Sharon, Haley, Izioma, Emily, Liz, and Allison. And a special thanks to Beyonce for going to Soul Cycle. Who knew? Oh my God. Oh, so great. How you have to fun. ask her, have her on the show. <laughs> I love that she also takes classes with other humans That's and not right. alone in She's like some like mansion. She's just like one of us. She's just like one of us. Totally. Uh, Listeners, thank you all for sharing. You can send me the best part of your week at any time throughout any week. Just record your voice and send the file to samsanders at npr.org. Samsanders at npr.org. With that, let's space jam ourselves out of the studio. We made it. This is a very good song. It's a ridiculous song. There's stadium applause in this song. You know what I mean? It's part of the song. It's part of the song. Oh, man, the 90s. I wonder how we'll look at, like, our current era, like, what we thought is good now. Yeah. Like, like this was considered a great jam in the 90s. Yeah, it was. No, it was still being made fun of in the 90s. But the thing is, is, like, you, you kind of undeniably cannot not move your hips. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. It just happened. It just ha- I, it, like, it's happening to me right I now. I see you moving your hips. So, you All know. Right. Uh, thanks to everyone involved in making this show. Produced this week by Brent Bachman and Anjali Sastry. Uh, Steve Nelson is our director of programming. We had editing help this week from Jeff Rogers and Uri Berliner. And our big boss is NPR's VP of programming, Anya Grundman. Uh, thanks to our guest. Y'all were awesome. Um, thanks to Space Jam. The little movie that could. Fresh your feed, Tuesday morning listeners. Uh, I have a conversation with an author of a book that I think you should read. It's all about love and marriage in modern India. Until then, thanks for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. mom always call, manages to know when I'm in the studio and then she calls. Oh my god, my mom called yesterday when we were in the studio. Really? Yeah. It's kind of cute, but then you're like... I'm always like, lady, do you not think I work? Like, she just only calls, like, during business hours. Oh, yeah. you know? My favorite are my mother's voicemails, because every time she says, Sam, it's your mama. I know. <laughs> I'm aware. 